Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Diving into it. Um, I have five frameworks or like a five-step process to the way I cold call. Um, Again, this is like big notations, disclaimers, et cetera. This is sort of what I do. There are a number of different ways that you can do it, Um, but this is kind of what's worked for me. So I always start with a permission-based opener. Um, Hi, John, it's Tanvir Mustafa from Salesforce. Did you have a quick minute before your next meeting? I'll be brief. that's the one that I lean on now. It's the one that I've leaned on for a really long time. Um, probably like my last year and a half as an AE, because as I mentioned in a previous group coaching call, I like like objection prevention as opposed to objection handling. So what's the number one objection that we all get when we're making calls? I'm in no a meeting. Time. Yeah, I'm no, no time. Sorry, I'm in a meeting, right? And like, okay, are you really picking up the phone in the middle of a meeting? Most likely not. It's just their instant reaction to, to get you off the phone because they don't know who you are. You're a complete stranger. And they're just like, I just want to put this phone down. So I like addressing that up front. Like, did you have a quick minute before your next meeting? I'll be super brief, right? That's one. The other one I used to in SDR and BDR was, would it be all right if I took 30 seconds to explain why I'm calling? And then you can let me know if it makes sense to continue the conversation. Um, I remember at some point it like became popular to say 27 seconds instead of 30 seconds because people thought that would throw people off. And it does. Like sometimes it gets a good laugh. Like, hey, can I take 27 seconds to explain why I'm calling? You can let me know if it makes sense to have a conversation. Um, Those are are a few. A couple of other openers that I like and that I've used are, um, hey, John, this is a cold call. Um, Do you want to hang up now or you want to roll the dice? That's another. Let's see. Hmm. Those are probably like the top three that I've that I've used. Um, so that's start with permission. Okay. The next step, kind of what to Kevin was talking about earlier, is you want to personalize, right? You want to find an immediate grounds for relating to the person on the other side of the phone. So I'm reaching out because I saw you posted this. I noticed that. I read like some news article or some like some piece of media that they might have put out. I work with. Um, I'll get into that. So something that'll allow you to get on the same side of the table as them. Um, I was speaking with the next one is like a lot of the times the good calls that I had would come from someone else in the organization, right? So if you realize at some point that you're not speaking to the right person, then you'd be like, all right, who the best person to speak with about this would be. And then they tell you, and then you call that person and say, Hey, I was speaking with so-and-so and they said to reach out to you about this. Immediately, that's a bit warmer, right? Your goal as you go forward is to make the call as warm as possible and to buy yourself more time. Um, And then the one that Kevin mentioned is, I sent you an email about blank. I want to chat chat about that real quick. Or I sent you an email about blank. Did you have a chance to review it? Or did you you see that come across? And then if not, then we'll jump into the next next portion. So this is essentially the same framework that I use for email prospecting as well. But the next step is a very clear and compelling problem. So one of the biggest problems we see VPs of sales like you face is XYZ. 
when I'm talking to VPs of sales like you, they tell me blank. And then how I usually end that is, does that sound familiar? Does that seem relevant to you? Any of that ring a bell? Am I completely off the mark? Um, so these are sort of the three steps that I go through at the, at the beginning. Um, any questions here? Yeah, Leslie, go ahead. Um, actually, it's going back a little bit, Tanvir, on um, when you're talking about the not task switching, which I totally agree with because of the energy, like you mentioned, I'm all in on emailing, now I'm all in on calls now, right? Mm -hmm. um, did you use any kind of cadence tracker like outside of your own little spreadsheet? Did you have sales loft? I mean, did your I own program use it? Like I use Salesforce. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I use Salesforce. Um, I never used actually a cadence tool. I'm not. I'm not personally a big fan of them. Um, yep. But I use Salesforce just to pull up the tabs, have them lined up. Um, and so you literally them. open up a whatever an opportunity or something and say, okay, last time I emailed this guy, now he's on my list to call him. Um, no, not even that. I would pull up all the contacts that I was going to call. So let's say it was, let's say I was prospecting into um, accounts where there was a debt opportunity in the past 12 months. Um, I'd pull up like my key personas in those accounts. So let's say it's the VP of sales. That's my go-to persona. I'd pull up a VP of sales from each of those opportunities and I'd line them up and then I'd cold call them all in, our, in succession um, after I had emailed them all in succession. Got it. Yep. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Um, so this is sort of like the, the, the initial framework after this is when you're going to run into resistance, right? Any of that ring a bell or am I completely off the mark? You'll face some objections here and we'll get into that. Let's just say for, um, for this, that they agree, like, yes, this is a, this is a problem. This is a pain or yeah, that sounds familiar. Like we're, we're going through that right now. Then you want to dive quickly into pain. Okay. Like. Do you mind sharing with me how you're taking care of that today? Have you tried solving this already? How's that been impacting you? Like getting into pain questions and understanding, okay, why is this relevant for them right now? Um, and you're just trying to figure out if it'd be a good fit, right? You're trying to get more out of them so they, they talk and they're a little bit more bought into how you can help. And then the, the piece after that is a point of view. Well, based on what you said here, here, and here, I think you'd be a great fit. We solve X by doing Y so that our customers can see, okay? So um, in short, we solve, we help, we solve, we help sales leaders get an immediate pulse on their business without having to sift through tons and tons of data. That's in short. Okay. And then the call to action is usually what I would do is I'd say, if they either asked me a question about the product or the solution, or I felt like it'd be a great fit, I'd say, Hey, I, I did say I was going to be brief. I know I caught you off guard. This sounds like something that maybe we could help with because a lot of clients have gone through the same thing. Would it be crazy if we schedule 20 to 30 minutes next week to dive into this in detail? At the very least, I'll make sure you walk away with some industry insights you can take back to your team. That last line is really important um, because you know what they feel a lot of the time is that what they're going to show up to this call, but what are they really going to get out of it? Like, is it just going to be a wasted 30 minutes of their time? you wanna show that, okay, you have something that you can give to them, whether it's industry insights, whether it's, I can tell you what your peers are doing in the industry. I can tell you how, you know, we've seen the competitive landscape in your industry. You wanna give them something to walk away with, okay? So this is sort of the framework. Does anybody 
like have any suggestions to this, anything that they would add to this. I would love to hear how some of you, um, you know, address your cold calls. I'll, um, at the end, of, at the end of mine, I'll say like something along the lines of, Hey, like, sounds like we can help any chance we grab 15 minutes, um, to dive a bit deeper into this when I'm not calling you out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And then they normally, they give a pretty, like, I'd say nine out of 10 times I get a, like a, a good response. Nice. I like that one. That's good. Cause you're, again, you're acknowledging the fact that you just caught them off guard, right? Yeah. Um, I'll do sure. that at the end, but then initially at the beginning of the call, also I'll just be like, Hey, like, I know I'm calling you out of the blue. We haven't spoke before. Um, I'm just giving you a ring. I sent a note over your way. I wasn't sure if my name or that email rings a bell. Right. And typically that like pulls our guard down too. Right. I like that. Okay, cool. What else? <clears throat> Sometimes fine with the, the problem statement is rather than necessarily just talking about the persona, just talking about people in the, uh, talking about sort of peer organizations that are doing something, pull the point of point of view forward. So you can kind of combine the, the problem statement, the point of view. And that's worked quite well for me to say, look, I know something that is beneficial and it enhances the credibility early in the call. Mm -hmm. Nice. What, what would you say to like enhance the credibility? Well, I'd probably be saying, instead of just saying, like, we see the persona face this, maybe we're talking around, hey, we're working with this customer and they've, they're achieving that. Yes. Uh, would that make, would that be of interest? Yes. Yeah. If and you're, challenges. yeah. If you're in a position where you can drop customer names, that's absolutely something that you should do. Um, some of you are not in positions where you can say that due to NDAs or, or whatever it may be. But if you can definitely drop some validity and credibility up front, that goes a long way, um, especially if it's a familiar face. For those of you with enterprise clients, like you can likely drop enterprise case studies as an example uh, and use that to build credibility up front, which is definitely something that I recommend. Cool. Um, okay. I think this is probably the most important part of cold calling. Everything that I just showed you like all of this does not matter unless you adjust how you say it. How you say something, how you execute the words that you're going to say are far more important than what you actually say. You could probably change this all around to cater to your needs or whatever, but it's more so like it's, the la it's similar to the last training that I get. Like it's, it really is about energy and how someone feels you come off when you're giving them a call, okay? So that, there's a couple of ways that it happens. That's one of the ways is by reducing the pressure on yourself, right? So one of the things that I mentioned earlier in the call is um, like trying to qualify or disqualify. That's your goal. But the problem is so many people are just desperate to get through the script, desperate to book the meeting that they speed through. Okay. Hi, John. It's Tanvir from Salesforce. Do you have a quick minute before your next meeting? I'll be brief. You think I'm exaggerating, but that's how a lot of people sound on their cold calls. They're just jetting through it, right? Um, I'm reaching out because I work with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like they're super excited, super animated, going, going really fast. And then when the prospect uh, brings up an objection, 
right? When the, when the prospect's like, I don't have time, I don't have a meeting. It's like, okay, okay. Like, all right. Like, no worries. Call you later. Right? You're, you sound, it, it comes up, you sound desperate. You sound like you're, you're a salesperson. And I love us salespeople. We're awesome people. We're great people. But people don't like people who sound salesy. When you all get a cold call that sounds salesy, you want to hang up. So one of the first things that you should do is slow it down like 50%. So when I'm calling, and this is how you sound like an authority. This is how you, when people are, whether you're calling an executive, whether you're calling a director, a VP, an EVP, whatever it may be, this is how you match yourself on their level. Okay. Hi, John. It's, uh, it's Tanvir Mustafa from Salesforce. Do you have a quick minute before your next meeting? I'll keep it super brief. Okay, great. Well, um, John, I'm reaching out because I work with um, specifically with VPs of sales at health tech startups in Virginia. Uh, so I figured I should probably give you a call. One of the biggest problems that we've seen our clients face in this space is that, you know, they're having a hard time keeping track of their sales team's activities or they're um, just struggling to pull out valuable insights from their sales data because it's all over the place. Any of that ring, ring a bell or am I completely off the mark? That probably took me like 30 to 40 seconds. It's slow. It's controlled. Okay. There's a pace to it and it's actually allowing them to listen. I don't know how many people have run into a situation where they make a cold call, right? Or that you, you get the person on the phone and one of the first things they say is, sorry, who are you again? Where are you calling from again? What was that? Because they totally missed what the person said. <laughs> That's how fast they went, right? They totally missed what you said. So slow it down. You, you control the pace of the game, okay? The point guard is the one that in basketball, they control the pace of the game, how, how fast they're going up and down the floor. You control the pace of the conversation based on how fast or slow you're going is how fast or slow your prospect's going to react. So speed on its own is a big element of what's going to improve your conversation. Now, what are other things that you noticed about the way that I said that? Anyone else catch, catch some, some key things about the way it was executed? You actually laughed. You added some humor in it. Yep. And what does that do? Make it more personal, more likable. Yep, exactly. Right. I don't sound, sound robotic. I sound like a human. I don't sound like air, air duct cleaning services. <laughs> right. You're, 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 you're again, building more relatability. You're making it a warmer call, throwing in a laugh. Okay. Throwing in some, some humor if you can. Right. Um, what else? There's one more thing that I did and it's, it's not even scripted, but it just comes up in the conversation. But there's one more thing that I did that I think added to that. Anyone guess? And no, no upwards inflection at the end of the sentence. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. I didn't, uh, that's, that's one part of it, yeah. I would say. That's one part of it. No, uh, sorry, ums and ahs. People, when they talk, they say um, they say ah. They're like, they have to think a little bit. Right. It's conversation. Like I paused at a bit there as I was going through it, not even intentionally, but just because I needed to take a break. Ums and ahs is like, it's what you would do in normal conversation. 
So why aren't you doing it when you're making a cold call? Your goal is to, again, make the prospect, well, you're trying to qualify and disqualify, but you're also trying to lower their guard. You're trying to, Josh Brown calls this lowering their zone of resistance. So when they call, or when you call, they're going to have like a bunch of objections, right? They're going to have, they're just going to want to get you off the phone. But by throwing in a laugh, by throwing in some ums and ahs, by taking your time, now you're controlling the pace of the conversation and you seem more relatable. These are things that make you seem more trustworthy and makes, make, will make your prospects more willing to have a conversation with you, or at least like talk a little bit about, you know, what it is that you're, that you're talking about, that you want to talk about if it's relevant. So again, this is my script. You guys, I'm sure some of you will have your own. Um, this is just the framework that's worked for me time and time again, but don't be afraid to, to experiment, A-B test. What matters more than what you say is how you say it. So start practicing this. Like before you jump, when I said practice your pitch, I again, quote quotations because we want to ditch the pitch. But when I say practice, like actually beforehand, run through your first or second two, first two lines, slowing it down, like intentionally, bring it down to a snail's pace. So that one, when the prospect picks up, they understand what it is that you're saying. And two, you can become more relatable and more easy to understand and more comfortable for them to speak with. If, this is, if there's one thing that you take away from today's training, it's this. It's not about what you say. It's more important about how you say it, the energy that you give off when you're making your cold calls and how you control the pace of the conversation. Okay? Questions or comments? All right, cool. This is helpful. Yeah. I right. totally agree with how you say it. Um, if you if you if you if you don't, I often find smiling before you start. Yes. Smile definitely. Actually, I'll smile when I'm making. Not even before you start, but when I have um, when I as soon as I start talking, I'm like smiling and I like have this going on. Hey, John, it's uh, Tanbir from Salesforce. You have a minute before your next meeting i'll be super brief like automatically first of all it gets you personally in a better state it makes you like happier right i saw this um video the other day like everybody every one of you just like for the sake of this exercise keep a very straight face okay so like let me see everybody's straight face okay now think of smiling just think about it most of you had like a little bit of a smirk that came up, right? If you just think in that state, like you can't help but coming off with that energy. And again, for some people, like energy is a very pie in the sky, woo woo type thing, but it's real when you have somebody on the phone because your energy impacts how you sound. It impacts the words you say. It impacts, um, you know, the general vibe that you're giving off over the phone call which matters a lot when, when someone is giving you a cold call out of the blue, a complete stranger that's giving you a call, right? Um, so that's, that's about how you say it. Now, obviously the age old question, objections, how do we deal with that? So actually I'm gonna stop sharing. We've got, we've got a pretty good size on the call. Let's do this together. So I wanna hear what, how everybody addresses these objections. So let's start with the first one. I'm not interested. How do some of you deal with that objection?
I would probably ask, is that because you have something currently in place? Tell me about it. <laughs> nice. I like that. I like the laugh at the end too. That's nice. Nick? Yeah, I especially hate this when they say not interested and like they don't even know why I'm calling. They're just doing it to get me off the phone. So I'll say something along the lines of like, I'll be honest with you. That's why I was calling. I didn't know if you would be or not. Um, I was reaching out because I, and then like something to get them, like something to ask them a question. Yeah. And then if they're still not willing to talk to me, like at that point I could say I'm trading in $5 bills for $20 bills and they still wouldn't buy. So like <laughs> spend my time elsewhere, but try and like ask a question and like kind of diverge it. Yeah. Uh, that's a great one, Nick. I love that one. Um, once you do ask that question, if they still say they're not interested, that probably means it's not a qualified prospect, right? If they, if they're not going through the challenge that you have in front of them, either it's not the right time, it's not the right fit, or it's not the right person. Um, usually it's not the right person or it's not the right, um, time, but if, if they're, if they, if they don't resonate at all with what you're saying, it's, it's unqualified and you can move to the next one, right? It's saving you time. This is what I, this is what I want you guys to understand is like cold calling doesn't have to be scary because you're just trying to get to the truth. You're just trying to get to the truth. You're trying to figure out, is this a yes or a no? If it's a no, then awesome. I can spend more time, more energy somewhere else. All right. That's why it does not have to be scary. I like that answer, Nick. That's awesome. Anything else? Okay, cool. Um, there is, there are um, sort of three that I, that I go back to lean on. Don't look at the other objections because we're going to, we're going to cover that. Um, but Chris Voss, classic, like not interested, you know, with a little bit of up, upward inflection at the end so that it's like, okay, can you just expand on that? And most people will, will, some people will think you're, you're being stupid. Like you didn't hear what they said, but that's okay. Not interested. Like just to understand more. Right. Um, one of the ones that I like is again, throwing in humor where I can, uh, John, I didn't think you would be interested. Otherwise you'd be the one calling me. Frankly, I don't even know if we'd be a fit, but we've seen your peers struggle with X and Y time and time again. And I, I figured you'd want to know how they're solving some of these challenges. All right. It's like, it's almost like creating FOMO, uh, FOMO. Their peers are how, how their peers, how their competitors are solving some of the challenges figured you'd want to know. Um, and then Jody, what you said, sounds like you've already got something in place in this problem. Can you tell me a bit about it? Or um, sounds like you've got something something in place. Yes, we do. Great. How's that going for you? Or like one thing that I used all the time is like, all right, well, like, are you married to that solution? Or have you considered dating other people? Or like, have you, have you considered other options? You know, like trying to find analogies, humor, wherever I can um, to throw it in, because again, it, it opens them up, right? Are you married to the solution? Like you love the solution or um, have you thought about breaking up before? I don't know. Right. Something like that. Um, so that's, sorry, that's like what, what they love about that solution is quite nice because what they'll sometimes then do is say, Hey, it's not all great. Mm. I like that. What do you love about that solution? I like that one. Nice. Um, okay. So next objection, we already have a solution slash vendor. How would some of you address that? Let's, let's hear some people. what do you like about that solution? Yes, 
Yeah, that's good. That's the one that for sure. What else? Actually, we just covered this one. You already have a solution like you're married to it or you consider other options. Um, another one that I like using for this one is like, uh, so let's say, let's say I, I used to call people and they'd be like, yeah, we're using HubSpot, we're good. And I'd be like, oh man, like HubSpot is a great solution. Like we, we know a lot of, um, you know, previous or people have become customers who've used HubSpot in the past. And um, they said that they loved it. Um, but I'm curious, how are you handling the fact that X, Y, and Z? How are you handling the fact that, you know, a lot of the, the customers that we work with now who came from HubSpot, um, they would find that as their company was growing, systems couldn't speak to each other. Systems couldn't integrate and things started falling apart. How are you handling that? Like almost being like, you're, that's, that's awesome that you're using a solution today. Like a lot of people don't even have a solution in place to address this, but how are you dealing with that? This specific flaw that it has. So have some sort of competitive analysis ready of, okay, this is why people switch from X company to our company. This is why people go from Excel to our company, so on and so forth, so that you can highlight what the potential whole, like the potential areas that they haven't even considered about, right? If, if there's a company that you're calling who's getting ready to IPO or who's, um, you know, I don't know, there's like a really strong board of VCs who just made an investment. It's like oh, some of the companies that, that are growing, um, they want more organized operations and systems that speak to each other when they're getting ready to IPO, right? So just, just an example and something you can throw in there. Um, this is a big one that I've run into a couple of times. We don't have the budget. We don't have the budget. How'd you all uh, address that? This is your chance to practice, guys. It's your chance to practice. How would you address we don't have the budget? Well, a lot of our customers said the same thing. And, you know, I would be surprised if we have a budget for that. What we typically do is we create a business value and ROI, and then we make budget available because benefits is so high. Okay. Thanks for sharing, Daniel. We're going to get into how to raise or focus that a little bit more. Because at a high level, when you say business case and ROI, to them, it just sounds like, initially, it'll sound like fluff, right? It'll sound like, oh, where's this imaginary ROI going to come from? And like, why should I spend an hour with you to figure out what that ROI looks like? Like, I just don't have the time for that. Um, the other thing about that one, I used to use that one a lot. I used to use, oh, we've had others, we've had similar customers tell us that in the past, but what they found is blank, blank, blank. People always act, act from a place of pain right? They act from a place of, of, of fear and of pain. So when you say something like that, it's like, oh, they've, they, they had that. Um, we've heard that before, but this is what they got out of it from working with us. It like flips it to game, which is hard for somebody to process in the moment. So you're on the right track. I just want to want to adjust it a little bit to show you what, and show you what that can look like. Um, what else? Anybody else have a way of addressing that objection? Um, well, the first thing is cool. Like I wasn't expecting you to have budget when I made the call, <laughs> you don't have to buy anything today, John, um, budget aside, does this sound interesting? Okay. 
because and then if they say yes it's all right or it's, it's like okay great we don't need you have a budget right now all we want to do is figure out how we can help you solve this problem because what we find is that our solution doesn't actually require you to create any new budget because of the cost production reductions that our solution provides usually that ends up being enough to invest in the solution would it be worth exploring what those cost reductions look like so Daniel, this was very, this is similar to what you said, but I'm focusing on the pain more than I'm focusing on the gain. It's really hard to say no to that. Can I help you figure out what those cost reductions could look like, right? If this is um, a VP of sales, head of IT, head of operations, like they look really good internally for reducing cost, especially at a time like this, especially at a time like this, where everyone is focused on Reduced operational, reduced uh, reduced operational costs, um, reduced fiction, reduced productivity costs, etc. <clears throat> kind of how we talk and talk about it in uh, closing the complex sale and div and um, you know building the business case, building business value, is you always want to talk about where cost reductions will exist. Most people will not have budget set aside for something like that. Budget budget disappears at the beginning of the year usually, right? It's where they reallocate and move around money to make this happen afterwards, after you've proven that there's a case, right? Would it be worth 15 minutes, 20 minutes to figure out what those cost reductions could look like? If you tell me afterwards that it doesn't make sense, then we'll, we'll part ways as new connections and uh, I'll give you some insights into what your, some of your competitors are doing or into sort of what's going on in the, the industry so you can get a pulse on that, right? So you see what I did? Just like sort of flipped it a little bit to focus on cost reduction. Um, any questions about that? Any other way that someone would address this objection? Okay, cool. Um, okay, we're gonna zip through these ones. Um, I'm in a meeting or call me later. That is literally just a deflection. That's just your prospects trying to get you off the phone because they're, they, they just got a cold call, right? They're, they're uncomfortable. They, they, you just heard from you out of the blue and Shaleen, to what you were saying earlier, like, yes, we're interrupting people's day. There's no doubt about that. But as long as we acknowledge that we're doing that, it's okay. You're there to help this person. Imagine, imagine that that person is, is really going through the problem that you solve. You're doing them a service. You're, do, you're doing them a favor by calling them and getting them on board. But you're going to have to deal with some jabs, right? You're going to deal, have to deal with some jabs and straights at the beginning of the call because they're just, they're not prepared for it. Right. So no worries, John, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, I'm calling because X, Y, and Z. And then I just go into the problem statement. Um, they'll say, call me later. And this is where you can, again, build some more authority. I can call you back, John, but I'm not even sure this is relevant. Also, my calendar is super backed up for the rest of this week. Um, so let's just make sure it's a, it's a fit first. Um, I'm reaching out because X, Y, and Z. You're just trying to jump over this hurdle. That's it. It's not a real objection, this one. 90% of the time, they're not in a meeting. They don't have anything going on. They're just trying to, trying to get it over with, okay? So you just need to jump over this hurdle. Um, send me some information. That's great. Uh, like, oh, wait. Okay, I copied this one over. Ask that. 
I got to edit this. But if someone says, send me some information, um, basically uh, what you want to say is usually something along the lines of, uh, I'm happy to send some, send you some information, but really like, we don't even know if it's a great fit. So let's, let me out again. You're just trying to get over the hurdle. Happy to send you some information, John, but I don't even know if it's a great fit for you. Can I just ask like a question or two to figure out if it would be? Jump into that, right? Or um, we can rephrase it again, going just back into the pitch, going back to the problem statement to figure out what's next. Um, and then the last piece is gatekeepers. How I'd love to get this from the crowd. How do you work through gate, gatekeepers when you're making cold calls? Always use your name, like you said, you know. Hey, Tanvir, this is Leslie looking for John. Is he available? Yep. You definitely use the name. Use names as much as you can. So when you're, you, you saw almost every line that I said, I would always use the person's name. Um, it's in how to win friends and influence people. When you use someone's name as you're speaking with them, they just feel more special. They feel more important and um, builds that sort of trust and credibility. So I like that, Leslie. That's great. Anything else? Part of using someone's name is not making them feel like a nobody. When you're talking to a gatekeeper, a lot of times I've had gatekeepers be my point person. Like they are my point person for a deal or getting to the right person as I'm going through an opportunity or et cetera, et cetera. Like they are a critical piece of the organization and the company and should be treated as such, right? Like treat everybody with, treat, an, treat a gatekeeper with as much respect as you would an executive. Because behind the scenes, sometimes it's the gatekeeper that's running the show to a large degree because they're organizing the executive's calendar. They're organizing all the events that are going on. They know all the people in the office. They're the linkage between everything going on in the, between the, in the organization, okay? So I usually like to say I'm reaching out because, and then I go into my problem statement. Do you know if John is actively addressing that problem? Would you have any insight into that, Leslie? Right? And, and then... Sometimes I'll even flip, they say, uh, oh, I don't know, or he's busy or he's in a meeting. Hey, are you the best person to, to chat about this? I, I'm sure you deal with this problem every day, or is it John, right? Um, so always try to figure out how can I actually get information from the gatekeeper before I speak to John, what can, I, what, what can they help me with? If your solution is something that I, Salesforce was oftentimes, you know, a solution that the gatekeeper would also use or would need to use in their job. Like, hey, are you like having to rummage through Excel sheets to like organize your day-to-day -day information or like to organize your, um, you know, the, the, some of the processes that you have in place? So like try to understand their situation, try to understand what linkage they might have to the solution. Um, We've got two minutes left, so I'll open, open the floor to questions, but hopefully that, that gives you some insight um, into how, how 